welcome to Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture, with me, your host, Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the other victims of the Nazi regime. Hi friends, and welcome to the eighth episode of Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Berlin, here in Berlin, we're about to enter... So on Wednesday, in a couple of days' time, we're about to enter a more stricter lockdown. So it's looking like it's going to be that way until almost mid-January. And I know that also today it got announced that London's going to move into a different tier as well. So I hope everybody is keeping their spirits up however they can. Um, if If you're stuck for something to do, one thing that I did this week was I cleared out my entire house of everything that I just don't need anymore and all of the stuff that I was just saving for oh maybe I'll do a flea market you know when the weather's nice and you just never get round to it and I can't be bothered to put any stuff online to sell it so I just bagged everything up I threw away everything that was rubbish I bagged everything up that I thought could go to charity or to someone else and my neighbour actually told me about a donation bank Um, at a church that's not too far so I just took all the stuff there and got rid of it all and I have to tell you that it feels amazing like I don't have any bits and bobs in my house anymore that I just I'm not doing anything with but they're just taking up space and also giving to charity uh, during the holiday season is only ever a good thing so I would highly encourage anybody who you know you need to fill up some time just do that because you're only going to reap the benefits and you'll be helping out people that probably need quite a lot of help at this time of year. So yeah, um, what else have I been up to? Oh yeah, I was, um, so I had, I joined like part of this Zoom call where historian Emer Bartov was speaking and he was um, talking about how we should try to understand the Holocaust from the ground up. And I realised that as I was explaining last week how the Holocaust happened, that I didn't touch too much on localised violence, like outside the camp system. Um, And Omer said something really interesting, um, which was that there were a lot of communities where people contributed to the Holocaust, so the persecution of Jewish people and the murder of Jewish people without actually knowing the scale of what was going on across Europe at that time. And he kind of spoke about this idea of isolated events where whole community whole communities initiated neighbor on neighbor violence and killings um and he called it communal violence or communal violence on an industrial scale um which I just thought was really interesting and I think I probably have to do an episode on it because he was saying that how it happened in these small towns was very intimate and that provides a whole different level of understanding um how the Holocaust took place and even and even though people may not have been part of committing the actual murders of of their neighbours or people that they knew um they could somehow or in some way profit from their Jewish neighbours being gone so and that being may perhaps being some kind of incentive or some kind of reason why a lot more people can be held accountable than we actually than the people that we've actually been looking at um so yeah I just wanted to 
share that um as it was also a big part of how the Holocaust happened. And he's actually written some books on it that I will speak about at the end. But I just found it really fascinating and wanted to share with you. So, yeah, maybe I'll do an episode on localised violence, even though that sounds horrendous, but incredibly interesting. Anyway, I'm not going to talk anymore because I would like to get on with this week's episode. So let's crack on. So this week I'm going to speak about other groups that were targeted by the Nazis and in short there were a lot um, and it was brutal and actually millions of other people outside of um, you know just what was going on like during the war like soldiers being killed and obviously civilians as well um, millions of people other than uh, the Jews were persecuted um, by the Nazi regime but not always in the same way. So the easiest way to understand the reasoning behind the treatment of all these different groups is to understand why th- why they were perceived as a threat to Germany. And some groups were targeted for racial reasons, like the Jews, so similar to Jewish people. Um, in particular, the Roma and Sinti. So um, we would understand them as gypsies but I don't think it's politically correct to actually call them gypsies so the Roma and Sinti and they were also classed as racially inferior and they were understood by the Nazis to be criminals or like socially deviant and the Sinti mostly came from Germany and Western Europe and the Roma mostly came from Austria Eastern and Southern Europe and they were viewed as what the Nazis like to call asocials, so being regarded as, as a group that lived outside of the norm or what they perceived the norm of society to be. So it's actually estimated that around one million Roman Sinti lived in Europe before World War Two. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a, thro- a frog in my throat. Um, and it's now understood that a genocide was actually perpetrated ag- against these groups and with up to, I think it's around 250,000 people being murdered by the regime. So a quarter of all the members of these groups at this time were killed by Nazi Germany and its collaborators. And an unknown number were actually interned within the concentration camp system. And alongside this policy kind of of extermination that they had, uh, a lot of people were also sterilised. So if you remember from way back when, um, altering, uh, like changing births within a group of people, like so things like sterilisation is a genocidal act and um, the Nazis were definitely sterilising Roma and Sinti people so that they couldn't um, reproduce. Next, um, another group that was a huge target for the Nazis was... Um, people with mental and physical disabilities so within Nazi Germany these people were perceived as biological threats and a financial burden on the state Um, 
as a lot of people may have needed to be hospital hospitalized or needed assistance or um, assisted living or needed to be taken care of and the nazis actually created a euthanasia program called um action t4 um which you can look up if you like um if you just put in uh, T4 Nazi Germany, then it will come up with um, it'll come up with information for you. Um, so this program that they created actually before the war focused on eliminating this biolog- like this perceived biological threat to the German people. So these men- uh, like mentally and physically disabled people were Germans. Um, so even if even if you were German, you were still subject to whether you were um, like kind of pure enough to be part of the new Germany and this new Third Reich that they're trying to build. So um, they didn't want people because so because they were perceived as a biological threat, they didn't want people with these kind of deemed hereditary mental or physical disabilities to actually have children and pass on these, um, like, and, and pass these on to their children. So in 1933, when they came into power, they actually passed a law that also forced sterilization on the mentally and physically disabled. Um, and on people with certain problems and it's estimated that between 300 and 400,000 people were sterilized at this time so that's an incredible amount of people to um to kind of take the right away of of being able to reproduce and have children like it's an it's an insane number and the Nazis, of course, escalated this policy after the start of World War Two. So you remember last week, we said um, I said explained that at the start of World War Two, it becomes incredibly more violent the, how the Nazis act towards people, and they actually began to murder people with disabilities, and this included children. I think around seven thousand children were actually um, murdered by the regime. Um, and these people were people who were living in health or care institutions. And these secret programs, it's estimated that around 250,000 people, men, women and children, were murdered by the government. And often relatives of, of people within these institutions would just receive a letter one day to say that their family member had died and that the body had been disposed of and that was it. So people really didn't have a chance to intervene. So they had friends or family members or whatever in these institutions and because because of this secret programme, they were being murdered and people were being told afterwards and there's literally nothing that could be done could be done um and i think one of the most disturbing things here is that doctors or like church doctors especially because they've sworn a hippocratic oath um but doctors were actually overseeing and like authorizing these deaths um because they were in pursuit of this biological cleansing um for the good of germany so even though they've taken the oath to like act ethically and protect people um they are kind of cleansing the german people of imperfections even though that sounds really it doesn't sound that nice to say but i think this it really demonstrates how ideology 
can warp your morality like if you believe in something then your morals can completely shift and then something that normally would seem um, completely disgusting and wrong then becomes justifiable Um, so I think this T4 action is a really good like to take a look at the morality of um, of people Um, oh wait I did want to say something uh, nope, I forgot it. Maybe it'll come back to me later. Um, so yeah, that was the T4 action. And this actually happened, um, yeah, it started way before the war that these four sterilizations were happening and then obviously escalated into out and out murder of people. Um, there were also groups that were targeted for obviously being political opponents to the regime. Um, and people who were like the Romi, Roma and Sinti um, classified as asocials, according to the government. And these people weren't actually racially inf- inf- inferior, but they were regarded as a threat to the national community. So these, um, these groups included Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so because of their religion, they actually refused, or it's against their religion to, to swear allegiance to a government, and therefore the Nazi government understood them as an enemy because they just stand out stand out as opposers to the regime they're not they're not conforming to their leadership um and it's estimated around 2000 Jehovah's witnesses died in concentration camps um and these were mostly german men um homosexuals were also deemed as asocial homeless people sex workers alcoholics drug addicts um all of these kinds of groups were deemed as deviant. Um, also, people who they deemed like racially inferior or not as pure um, as Aryan, um, as like ethnic and ethnic Germans, they were, if they um, say like had a relationship with a German uh, person, they were seen as kind of like infecting the purity of the race. So they were always also classified as deviants and could be sent to concentration camps. Um, and it's thought that of these groups, even though they were not specifically ta- targeted in a genocidal way, there's definitely a cleansing in all aspects of society of these groups. Um, and it's estimated that hundreds, if not thousands, of um, people who were who were classified like this actually also died um, under the regime and also in the camps. Um, so then, again, after the outbreak of World War II, the number of victim groups actually expanded to include um, Polish people and... Um, Polish people and Soviet prisoners of war and Soviet citizens and many others. Um, but the two huge groups here are Poles and Soviets because they're actually um, viewed by um, the regime as subhuman. So much like um, much like Jewish people, they're not regarded on the same level as like this kind of as the the German race and like this ideal that they're going for um so they're viewed as subhuman slavs um so they're a racial and a political threat to the regime so firstly in poland um poles were targeted as i said for racial uh, for being a racial and 
political threat to the regime. So when when the Nazis actually invade Poland and occupy it, um, the first thing that they want to do is um, is to prevent organised Polish resistance and from there being an uprising and kind of like a, a, a fight back against the regime because Poland is integral to Germany's pursuit of their Lebensraum, their living room across Europe. If they can't take Poland, you know, you can't, from Germany, like how are you reaching the rest? It's such a huge, like key um, country and like kind of in geopolitical not only geopolitical, but like in terms of geography, it's very important. Um, so they aim to prevent this resistance by um, either killing or imprisoning um, just tens and thousands of Polish, what they would term as Polish elites. So these victims, these initial victims included like wealthy landowners, um, like lawyers, government officials, teachers, doctors, dentists, um, military people, journalists. Um, the the same kind of targets, like when they first go after Jewish people, like kind of removing them from society and like people with any kind of influence so that they can actually um, avoid an uprising and and some kind of like mass resistance and then after this they go after not in a horrible way but like less educated Polish citizens including um, many young um, young men and women and a lot of these citizens are actually transported to Germany for forced labour obviously didn't go willingly um i'm pretty sure it's 1.5 million people 1.5 million polish people are forced to go to germany to work and the poles like really suffered a real brutal occupation um so as i said tens and thousands of members of these polish elites were killed or imprisoned um Many Polish people were interned in concentration camps as being like political opponents of the Nazi regime. And this is this is the wildest thing. So it's actually estimated that around six million Polish people were actually intentionally like murdered by the Nazis. And of this six million, three million of those were Jewish people. So of all the countries of Europe, um the actual the amount of, of Jewish people, the most amount of Jewish people were killed in Poland. And the community is absolutely decimated. And this is a, a country that has over like 3,000 years of Jewish history in it. Um, but it, at the same time, I think it equates to like 20% of, of um, the Polish population are basically annihilated by um, the Nazis. So it's an, an incredible amount of people. And if you, if you actually look into the history of it, it has been argued now that a genocide was also perpetrated against um, Polish people because they were seen as racially in, inferior and they were just, I mean, the amount of people that were that were actually killed. So finally, we have um, Soviet, Soviet prisoners of war that were also like the Poles. They were considered um, subhuman and 
as racial and political as a racial and political threat to um germany so um an incredible amount of soviet soldiers were captured by the german army after the invasion of the soviet union in june 1941 and these soldiers were understood by the regime as being part of the um judeo-bolshevik menace as it was understood so what is that what is judo what is judo-bolshevism well it's the claim that communism was a jewish plot designed um designed to ruin germany and yeah so this uh, soviets are viewed as being part of this plot to kind of like destroy germany and again an incredible number of people were killed um so a total of 3.3 million soviet prisoners of war died at the hands of the nazis during during the during world war 2 and they were killed by executions starvation disease exposure beatings and other kinds of mistreatment so it's actually understood that the way the germans treated the soviet prison of wars actually violated the geneva convention and the rules of warfare so um soviet prisoners would be stripped of all of their supplies and clothing because the germans actually when they invaded um the soviet union they were poorly equipped for what they needed to do so if you remember me saying like they kind of walk into um into the soviet union in winter and they just don't have the supplies and germany is so far away bringing those su- supplies all the way to the front lines of um of the soviet union it just it just was a really really bad idea all round so they would strip soviet prisoners prisoners of war of all of their supplies basically and just you know there's there's um there's stories of just like hundreds and thousands of these prisoners prisoners of war just being left out outside in fields um so yeah so when this cold weather come in they they would just like take everything and most of these camps i say that then they weren't really camps but um most of the camps for the soviet prisoners of war were simply open areas that were fenced off with barbed wire and watchtowers so there was no housing there was no sanitation there wasn't anything they didn't they weren't going to be supplying them with even the bare minimum of you know trying to keep them alive so if we compare this to how um british and american prisoners of war were treated um most of those prisoners of war survived captivity because Nazi ideology regards them as racial equals but for the Soviets they were just left and as i said 3.3 million people is a really really hard number to comprehend but like if we can understand the holocaust as 6 million people it's half of that amount of prisoners of war which is just just incredible just for being understood by the Nazi regime as being subhuman. So those in short that covers the main groups that became targets of Nazi Germany. Obviously there is I mean it's a genocide that was perpetrated in the context of a world war. So there are 
a lot of people that can be viewed as a victim group but these ones are kind of like the main the main ones that we can say like huge huge amounts of people were disregarded for because of this ideology um and yeah so that's that's it for a kind of short overview of other victims of the Nazi regime um now as I was refreshing my memory and kind of doing some research um for the episode I actually realized that I really don't know anything about um black victims of of the Nazis and I did a little google and I actually found a news article from a few days ago and I think it's actually a really interesting thing to try and find out like because I don't know sometimes I think of like 1930s Germany and I I don't know anything like I don't know what the black community actually looked like at that time so um I found this article and it tells the story of a man named um, Majub bin Adam Mohammed who was actually sent to Sachsenhausen concentration concentration camp for racial defilement um and racial defilement defilement meaning that he was sleeping with a German woman so he was sent to a concentration camp for that and he spent three years there so he was sent there in 1941 and he actually died three years later in 1944 and although it's not shocking to me that little is known about black like black victims um, of the regime I think my call to action this week would be if you're interested to um to try and find out or maybe there's a listener out there that has actually done some research and actually knows a little bit more about this than I do but in the in the article that I read um a lady has like written a book about this man and um yeah I'm just really interested to know more and maybe you are too so if anybody does find anything out um email me info at without the footnotes uh, org so that I can take a look too and maybe find more out about this aspect of persecution because yeah I just I can't think of coming really in all my years I can't think of actually coming across anything um hmm maybe an idea for another episode that reminds me also if you do have suggestions for, as I said last week, if you do have suggestions for stuff that you're interested in and you'd like me to cover, drop me an in- email, send me a DM, write a comment, anything. It doesn't matter what it is, but um, it might spark a really interesting talking point for me. And I want to give you what you want to listen to. So yeah, if you do, I've had a couple of people let me know um, kind of topics that they're, they're interested in. And yeah, I'd love to hear more from other people um oh yeah and recommended reading so Amir Bartov um I would recommend his book Anatomy of a Genocide so he this is a small town that he's kind of um pieced together what happened there and how the holocaust actually happened in this town so I just read you a small part of the blurb um So it says it's a fascinating and cautionary examination of how genocide can take root at a local level, turning neighbours, friends and even family members against one another, as seen through the Eastern European border town of Buchach during World War Two. I hope I've 
pronounce that correctly but I think I'm going to buy this book because I'm really fascinated by this and I don't know maybe let me know if you get a copy of it and we can start a little book club or talk about or go through it together um I just think it'd be fascinating to know how things happened and I think that is it from me this week um God, it feels like it's flown by. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, maybe over the holiday season, get somebody else onto the podcast and have a little discussion together. And I don't know, drop me an email if you want to talk about anything. And yeah, stay safe, everybody. Establish your bubbles, wear your masks. And I shall catch you next time. Ciao.